Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode four, part three of my musical journey. I say episode four of the podcast in general, but you already know that. And part three of this little mini series, just talking about my journey of creativity throughout my life. This is going to be the final part to this little series. So for those of you who have not checked out part one and two, I encourage you to do that. If you refuse to do that, that's totally fine. I'll try to make this make as much sense regardless. So part one, we talked about my early, early creativity leading up until sophomore year. Last episode, we talked about junior and senior year, and I left off with a little story about uh, my first experience actually producing music and it having a pretty big impact on me. So I want to dive into that a little bit more. Uh, Acting to this music that I made was really, really cool. And it was eye-opening for me. And I fell in love with the way that you can interpret cinematic music. It was inspiring. Again, it was epic. And I think one of the reasons why I liked it so much is because I would always imagine these these epic tracks playing in my mind whenever I was outside playing with my brother when I was a kid. Again, I touch on that in episode one, so check that out. But I, yeah, it was like my, my dream came true. I was able to make what had been in my mind for so long that it just doesn't translate the same over to piano. So it was really, really cool to be able to do that. And, uh, yeah. So after this experience with this little theater piece that we made, I would go home and just make cinematic music on my, on my computer. And it was really, really fun. I remember making this cool track that was, uh, it made me, I would always title the track, like what visuals it brought up in my mind. So this track I think was called, um, like forest escape or something. It was basically like being chased in the, in the woods at night. And, uh, it was, it was pretty like, it was pretty intense. And I actually remember the way it sounded. And I remember my mom telling me that she didn't like it because it was dark and that was pretty typical. Um, (laughs) but it didn't stop me. I was like, yeah, this is cool. And I like it and it's cool. So anyway, I think that's why I began to like creating cinematic music so much. The other thing was, uh, it comes a lot more naturally to me. I, I am well aware that like lyricism and melody are not my strong suit. I, you know, it is what it is. Every musician has something that they're, that they're not as good at. Uh, for me, I think like composition and production are my, uh, my strengths. And I learned that, you know, throughout these experiences. The last thing that I want to touch on that was really impactful for me in senior year, and then we'll move on to post high school is the uh, the play that I mentioned before when I was talking about interpretive theater 
and how if you want a, a good example of what that might look like, you could look up Hotel Cassiopeia. That is the play that we did senior year. It was only the advanced theater class that did it. And it actually wasn't even like the original. What we did was we took the script from the original, uh, not screenplay, man, whatever you would call it. We took the original script and we actually broke up into teams and we cut it apart and we like reassembled it in a new way and took some stuff out and, and we actually wrote new additions to the script. So it was this really weird like hybrid of what it once was. And then we started designing the set, which was very, very weird and cool. We started figuring out who was going to do what. And so this story of Hotel Cassiopeia, I honestly don't remember what the original story is like, but I remember what we turned it into. It was basically about this guy um, who, I can't remember the, the name of the disability, but he basically just can't really do anything for himself. And he can really only like hear. He, he can't speak very well at all. I, I don't think he speaks at all. But he can hear and he can understand some of what you're saying. But it's like at a very, uh, very basic level. And he understands energy, of course. All, all creatures that can't communicate with the things that they're around, they at least understand energy. Um, and they're very sensitive to it. Hi, this is me from the future. And I was listening back to this. And I just wanted to clarify that I think humans are creatures just like every other animal on the planet is a creature. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to get the impression that I was saying that uh, people with disabilities are creatures. We're all creatures. And when, we, when a creature struggles to communicate with its own species or even other species, um, they, at least from what I've noticed, are still very in tune with energy. So, yep, just wanted to throw that little disclaimer in there. Um, all right, back to the show. So the main character is, it's kind of two people. It's this guy that uh, is uh, immobile and can't do much for himself and his brother. Now, his brother is like a very, very, I would say his brother is technically the main character. He's just a very interesting person uh, he has no interest in like uh, anything like sexual or really anything like that. He's a very like deep, um, very quirky guy, and he's like in he's in love with this woman, I think. Uh, but you know, he doesn't like want to be with her, be with her. It's kind of weird, but. The interesting thing about this is he makes these shadow boxes. He makes these little boxes that he puts these things in, and they're just interesting. And I'm pretty sure he, like, makes them for his brother, the one who is disabled. Uh, he makes these shadow boxes for his brother, and he makes these, like, collections. His brother, I don't think, maybe he can see them. I can't remember if the brother can see or not. But either way, we 
again, reworked this whole play and we made the set a giant shadow box and it was split. Um, two thirds of the stage were open for, you know, the rest of the acting to happen. And then one third of the stage was the disabled brother's room. And he would sit on a chair facing the audience pretty much the entire performance. And he would just sit there. And the main character, um, you know, would act on the other two thirds. And again, this is like a shadow box. I wish I could show you a picture. It was really, really cool. There were like these two rails going across the ceiling with this big like beach ball that we painted. And so it was kind of sitting up there like a track for a marble. And uh, this the the shape of the stage was weird. Um, the walls were like really, really tall and white. And it was just, it was crazy. It was super cool. So what was my part in all of this? I played the spiritual half of the disabled brother. Now that sounds really comical. Um, just looking back like, Hey, I was, uh, the spirit of someone who was disabled in a play. It's like, that is, that just sounds super whack. And it was, but it was also really cool. The reason why it was cool is because behind the, the one third of the disabled brother's room, there was a window behind him. And that was kind of the thing is like his brother would turn him around and, and let him look out the window. Well, what we did was we put the baby grand behind the window and I would sit in view of the window. And whenever we wanted the brother to communicate something, the, the disabled brother, the lights would go down in his room and they would go up behind his room so it would illuminate me on the piano. The reason why I'm telling you about all this is because I actually felt appreciated again and I felt seen and acknowledged for what I was able to do on the piano. Um, and what I was able to do was basically BS my way through the whole play. I played the entire, I played and wrote the entire score for the play. And it was a really, really fun experience. What I did was there were a couple scenes that were actually choreographed with a dancer. So I played uh, I played loose covers of a couple songs. One of the songs was Life in Color by One Republic. Uh, 10 out of 10 would recommend listening to that song, Life in Color by One Republic. So I played uh, my own version of that, and then I believe there was a parachute song too. I think it was uh, She is Love, if I'm not mistaken. So I had a dancer, uh, she would practice with me and, and we would kind of choreograph and she would dance to those two specific songs, right? There was, I think the guy that the main character, or the girl that the main character was interested in was a ballerina, if I'm not mistaken. So those two songs were set in stone, but everything else was improv. Now, nobody noticed the difference because I was able to take the the mood of the scene and just match it with the music that I was playing 
But the thing is, it was it was so easy for me because I I was able to just improv the whole thing. I would play the two specific songs and then I think the final the final song I actually like wrote for the play and like it was very defined and it was the same every time. But aside from that, the other like 40 minutes of playing on the piano was straight improv and it was slightly different every single time and nobody noticed. So that was like really cool because I didn't have to um, like practice as much to pull it off. Uh, The sucky thing about this though was that I was behind the wall the whole time. So I knew how cool it was going to be but I never got to actually see the play. I never got to see what was going on. All I could do was look through this window that had bars on it at the back of this guy's head that was sitting in a chair for like an hour straight. That is all I got to see, which is really unfortunate. And I wasn't too worried about it because they were recording the play, like they were doing a video recording when we actually performed it. And so they were going to you know, print out DVDs and sell it. But they lost the footage. The school lost the footage to this play. And so to this day, I still have no idea what it actually was like to see this all play out. I've seen one video on Facebook that someone took. It was really like not a good video. Um, Of course, it's in a dark auditorium. But... From what I saw, it was really cool. I remember there was like a, a second raised stage in the corner of like the, the other two thirds where the rest of the performing was going on and like the ballerina was up there. Uh, the lighting was really, really cool. Um, and I and I was like illuminated behind the window and that was cool. But again, I I didn't get to like experience how surreal the rest of that play was. I just had to go off of verbal cues and kind of bummed about that. But either way, I got to, again, do cinematic music. And I loved it. It was so much fun. So that's pretty much it for my high school experience creatively. I I learned that I, you know, that I could produce music. I learned that producing music was a thing, (laughs) um, in, in a way that was accessible to me. And I also learned that I loved making cinematic music. So that was amazing. It just a great eye opener for me as a, uh, as a musician. So here we are. Graduation comes and goes. My family moves back to Missouri from Utah because Utah was rough on us in a lot of different ways. And again, I'll tell that story someday. I moved back with my family and I basically the day that we arrived in Missouri, I helped them move some of their stuff into their house and I moved out that same day. So that was like July something that we got back. So this is where things like take a different turn for me creatively. I moved out. I moved in with with two roommates, um, both both really good guys. I I love them both. And I 
I still had my machine micro. I still had my keyboard and my, my computer and stuff. But, you know, when you move out, it takes a little bit of adjustment. So I was, you know, I was working and, uh, yeah, the best way that I can describe what happened is actually in, in my song called Somebody Else. It's on my, my new EP. If you want to check that out, you can just search disconnect EP by Nolan Void on any streaming platform and you should listen to somebody else because it kind of encompasses my struggles with addiction and this time in my life really uh, one of the lines is traded my creativity just to get twisted in her sheets and yeah that's like the best way that I can explain what happened. I stopped writing music. I lost it. You know, use it or lose it is, is a real thing. I thought that I had writer's block, but really I just wasn't prioritizing it. I chose, I chose to act out of insecurity and chase love in ways where I would never find it. And yeah, it's like really, really hard. And I, I regret it. It's actually my, my biggest regret. I was, I was addicted to sex, which is a really hard thing to come to terms with and a hard thing to even say out loud. But it's true. And I, my creativity just disintegrated in a very, very short amount of time. I went from writing music like all the time, senior year, to just a couple months later, nothing. And yeah, just thinking back on that and how much I wish I would have stayed focused and honed my craft. So it has been almost five years now since I graduated high school. I have been married for three of those, but there were you know, it was one and a half to two years after I graduated where I had writer's block really bad. I still had writer's block really bad up until about two years ago. It was like life lost its color and it, even more than it had before. You know, I was already struggling with depression and bullying and things like that in school this was like a different kind of low it wasn't I wouldn't say like it was lower in every way than I was like seventh grade I do want to talk about my experience in seventh grade someday but I can't can't put too much weight into one episode <laughs> so I uh it was still low it was definitely a low 
I was not making music. I wasn't writing. I wasn't playing the piano hardly at all. I was just chasing something that was never going to fulfill me. And, um, you know, the other one is gave up vulnerability. I never knew what that would mean, right? Like at this point in my life, I had been treated badly in a lot of my relationships and used and cheated on and, and all those things. And so, you know, by the time like senior year came, I basically was like, cool. So being vulnerable and genuine only gets you hurt. And, um, if you don't do things physically with your partner, they will leave you for somebody else who will. That is what I was taught from the way that I was treated in my relationships in middle school and early high school. So I'm sure you can imagine how that plays out. I gave up vulnerability and I didn't know what that would mean for me. Um, it meant everything. I, I started to lose sight of who I was. I'm hoping again, like I mentioned in episode one of this podcast, that that doing this podcast will help me learn more about myself and help me have some space for my brain. And yeah, just come to love myself again. I think I'm already on my way, but yeah, all this to say, I gave up music for something else. And it got so bad to the point where I, I just was like, I didn't think that I would do music. I kind of gave it up completely. Not even just like inadvertently, but like I kind of gave it up. And yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of things going through my head. Like yeah, I was never really that good anyway, which maybe that was true. Maybe that's still true. I convinced myself that I didn't want to be on stage. I didn't want attention. It's like, well, you sure are trying really hard to get attention from girls. So you really think you don't want attention? Like, And the thing is, who doesn't want attention, right? It's like this taboo thing where a musician has to be like super humble and and say, oh, I don't like the attention, I just do it for the music. It's like uh, Andrew Schultz, he's a comedian, he puts it really well. He's like, as a comedian, you want attention, but you don't think you deserve it. So you, it, you create an exchange. You say something funny, they, you make them laugh, and them laughing, they, they give you attention, and it feels good, and it's an equal exchange for both parties, right? And that's how music is. It's like there are very, very few musicians out there who actually don't want any recognition or attention. Um, I don't even know if I could put, point my finger to one. So I'm sure that, you know, makes you wonder, well, <laughs> do you like attention? Um, in a way, I do because I have spent a lot of my life feeling invisible. And I don't want to be invisible. I don't think that I deserve to be invisible. I don't think anybody does. 
So yeah, like if I, if I'm genuinely good at something or if I'm, I've genuinely worked hard at something. Yeah. Like I want to be seen for that, but I don't, I don't want to be seen in a way where it's like I'm above anybody or I'm better than anybody. Cause I don't believe that. I think that everybody has something that they're really good at. It's just that a lot of people don't find it and they, maybe they don't even look for it. Um, so no, I don't think that I'm, I'm better than anybody. And I, I'm sure that there's a lot of musicians that feel the same way. They don't think they're better than anybody. Um, it's just nice to like, from what I've noticed with a lot of musicians and maybe I'll just speak for myself is that you feel like you're not understood. You're not seen. Um, you feel like nobody really gets you and the best way for you to communicate is through music. Now I, I'm a little different than other musicians because I wouldn't say that I have like as much raw talent as a lot of others. I do think that again, like production comes really naturally to me. Piano came pretty naturally and like composition, like writing cinematic music that flows out of me effortlessly. Uh, writing more structured like pop and like lyrics and melody that doesn't come as naturally right so I don't have as much raw talent in that department um, and I know most musicians struggle with their words and so the way that they can communicate with people is through music for me I don't think that I struggle with my words as much and I think that I'm able to communicate my ideas and my feelings through talking which I, I've noticed is more rare amongst other musicians. And so maybe that'll help you understand musicians better. It's like there is hardly any other way they can express themselves and feel understood. So when people acknowledge you for your music, it just means that they hear you and they see you. It doesn't mean that you you want them to acknowledge you for your music because you're better than anybody. It's just that it makes you feel understood. And everybody wants to be heard. Everybody should be heard. So, again, I convinced myself that I didn't want to be on stage, right? That I didn't, I didn't want to do this. I, I didn't, oh, I don't actually want the attention. But I realize now those were just excuses to not, to not work at it, to not work hard. I knew it was going to be tough. And I just made too many excuses, Yes, I grew up in a poor family with like no knowledge or resources about the music industry or entrepreneurship in general. I was very, very like in the dark. I, I want to talk about that someday about what it's like to to grow up in a um, you know low income family and how that affects the way that you see the world and like money and and just like yourself. I want to do an episode on that because there's a lot I have to share there. So either way, yes, I didn't have access to a lot of resources, but I did have Google <laughs> and I didn't use it. You know, I could have learned a lot. I could have asked more questions. Um, I, it's a pattern in my life. I think, you know, I was ahead of 
my, my class in reading. I mentioned that before. Um, the reason why I mention that, again, isn't because I'm better than anybody because of it. It's actually to point out that I was naturally like more proficient at reading than other people my age, and I took it for granted. The reason why I evened out in middle school where my grades actually started to fall below everybody else's is because I was naturally good at this thing and I, I just thought that was enough. I didn't work at it. I started playing piano. I started teaching myself how to play piano by ear, freshman year. And I am no better at the piano now than I was senior year. And it has been five years. What? That's, that's dumb. <laughs> like, whew, that's a hard pill to swallow, you know. I was naturally good at something. It came natural. Um, it was easy. It was effortless. So why, like, why just sit there with that? Why not actually, like, improve on it? Yeah, I'm no better at piano now than I was senior year, five years ago. So that's the other thing is like I I knew at this point I was behind. I wasn't working hard. And I wasted it. I wasted my talent. And now I my skill level, maybe not production wise, but every everything else, my skill level is still stuck back in senior year when I was like 17, 18. I'm almost 24. That sucks, and that's a harsh reality. So, yeah, I just wanted to to bring that up because of how how much that has impacted me. Like, I was not writing, and I was in a really, really dark place. I wasn't processing things emotionally, and it was getting worse. So when I got married... And um, my wife had had logic. She she's a musician. You can check her out uh, at Songs by Cole on Instagram or find her on streaming platforms at just all caps C O L E. Uh, you know she had she has been making music as long as me, but she has actually like worked hard at it and been consistent with it and is constantly improving. Um, and that is why she is way further along than me. Cause I, I was, I never took it as seriously as I should have. And I, I didn't do what it took to release music. It was the fear of it being imperfect as well, by the way, I wanted to mention that I was so afraid of what other people would think. And I was afraid of putting out a song that wasn't commercially acceptable and that held me back. That'll hold anybody back. If you're too afraid to start, you're never going to improve. And that's, that is the reality that I live in now. I was too afraid to start for too long. I wrote a song about that too. It's called Too Late. It's like, I, I feel like I'm too late. Like I wasted my time. And I feel like I'll never get it back. And that is really, really difficult to deal with 
because I know that I have natural talent. Not at everything, but in enough things musically to make something out of it. And I just, I feel like I'm playing catch up and it's really hard. And it's also hard, you know, because I, I work full time and, um, again, that's an excuse. Because so does everybody else. But I guess my point is I, I just feel like I'm running out of time or that I'm out of time. I, I'm playing catch up, um, not catching up to anybody other than myself. Like I feel like I'm behind where I should be. So I think it all just built up. You know, I, I wrote a song for my wife um, to propose to her. It's called Made For Me. I actually did release that. And that was the first song I had written in a long time. And it felt really good to get that out. Like she sparked something in me again. I, f I felt something. Something worth writing about. So I wrote that song. We got married. I was introduced to Logic. Because um, again, I had, I had used Machine Micro up to this point. So she had her iMac. I had my 2008 iMac. Uh, that thing was really not doing too hot. <laughs> and anyway, I, you know, was uh, blessed enough to marry somebody who <laughs> was doing something very similar to what I was wanting to do. And um, again, it wasn't a thought in my mind like, oh, this will be my career because I had, I had let go of that years before. But I did start producing with Logic, which is a digital audio workspace, If for those of you that don't know. Um, it's where you can produce music and yeah, it's just, it's cool. It's like, uh, there's video editing softwares and there's music production softwares. So I fell in love with logic. I loved the way it looked. It was a lot more, uh, seamless than machine. And I think, I, I mean, I started picking things up really quick. I started learning. I started like actually expanding my knowledge and practicing and, producing some of my old stuff uh, in a new way and it kicked off again. I was making stuff again. It wasn't consistent. It wasn't as often as it needed to be, but it was something. And I think I, I unclogged the drain a little bit. So, whew, yeah, it was good to, it was good to be making music again. So, Fast forward to 2022. We got married in 2020, by the way. So 2022. Going through a lot of things religiously. I'm going to write that down too. Going through a lot of things religiously. And it was, it was just a lot, I'll tell you. Like last year was crazy. I actually looked at my, the goals that I set for last year and like the, the religious and spiritual goals that I set and like knowing where I am now and what my beliefs are now, I like it blows my mind that just a year ago I had some of those goals that 
that were on there. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, all of that to say, like, 2022 religiously was very, very life-changing and disruptive and, yeah, just changed everything. And it all was just building up. And I couldn't, I couldn't hold it in anymore. I had nowhere to go with it. I had nowhere to go except my wife. Like, that was it. And we were both going through the same thing. So it's like, where do you turn? Well, I turned, I turned to music. And that's the best, best thing I could have ever done in this situation, of course. I started playing on the piano, just, I found this sound that I really liked. It had this kind of eerie, sad, but also beautiful character to it. Just this, these echoing, like soft, almost round sounding plucks. This is the beauty about producing music over just playing the piano or the guitars that like you have access to limitless sounds and you can express yourself better that way, in my opinion, or at least in a different way. So I found this sound that I really liked and I just, I wrote, I wrote what I was feeling all my life. It's say this and do that. Believe it. And I'm not allowed to wonder why. And that's real. Um, I mean, that's, that's what I was, that's what I had dealt with my whole life up until this point. And again, I'll, I'll give more context and more detail, but, um, yeah, it, that was when the drain was really unclogged and these experiences and everything leading up to this birthed the song fence sitter is it the best song in the world no um is it special to me yes did it change my life yeah it did i was writing again actually i was writing about something that meant a lot to me and, and i could write a lot more about that subject um if you have ever dealt with anything difficult religiously um, or if you've you know questioned everything that you thought to be true or if you're just struggling to understand what you really believe right now I encourage you to listen to that song it's called Fence Sitter um, I really encourage you to listen to the cinematic version which is on my EP because uh, it's really just like my favorite combination of, of what I like making, you know, I like writing pop music and, but I also really love making cinematic music and it's kind of a, a mixture between the two. So yeah, I, I wrote fence sitter and I was like, you know what? Like I have to put this out because I just, I have something to say. And this was like the first time where I really felt like I had something meaningful to say. One of the first songs I ever wrote was based off of a poem that I wrote about heaven versus hell, basically. <laughs> and 
It was not good. I'm just stretching because I've been sitting here for about an hour and a half. Uh, but aside from that, like most of the music that I wrote wasn't all that deep. It was really just about like relationships. There were some that were where I tried to be, you know, uh, deep with a an impactful message. But, you know, you're like 14 to 17, 18, writing music like that. It's just, unless you're really, really good at lyrics, it's not going to hit right. And mine didn't. So this song, Fence Sitter, like, I felt like I actually had something impactful to say, like something that had depth and, and meaning and something that would mean something to other people. And I had to release it. I had no choice. I wasn't planning on making a career out of it. Again, I just had I had to put out what I had to say. So I did. And yeah, like, you know, you got to put a little bit of branding with it. So at the time, I, I was Denver. Um, really just representing where I was born. I was born in Denver, Colorado. I only lived there for two years. But every time I go back to Colorado, it feels like home. And I don't know why. I just feel at home in the mountains. So I feel at home when I make music. And that's why my artist name was Denver. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why I changed it, and I'm not going to get into that right now. But yeah, I released it, and I had people like t telling me, dude, I really relate to this song. Like, I'm going through this right now. I'm going through the same thing. And that was, it just lit a fire in me again. I was like, wow, I do have something to say. I do have something to contribute. And yeah, like, my music isn't everyone's cup of tea. It's it's weird. It's hybrid. It's kind of hard to define. And, um, you know, again, like, lyricism and, and melody writing, that's not my strong suit. I'm... I'm working on it, uh, but I think musically, I'm I'm really proud of of my EP. I'm proud of Fence Sitter. I'm I'm proud of you know creating something that resonates with somebody. That's that's what I want. I want to impact people's lives in a positive way. Like I said in uh, in part one of this mini series, like I want people to know that they're not alone and that they're loved and that somebody understands them. Because music saved my life. That is why I'm making music again. Do I know if I'm going to sell out stadiums? No. Pro I'm probably not. Maybe. Do I know that I can impact people's lives in a positive way and maybe change their life and help them see things in a different way? maybe even save their life like music saved mine. Yeah, I do think so. And that's worth it. So things have come full circle, guys. I am now in a place for the first time in my life where I believe in myself. And it doesn't matter if some people don't like what I make because I like it. It's healing for me 
And even if nobody else liked it, you know, it, it would be healing for me, right? If nobody else likes it, it's probably a bad idea to try and make a career out of it. <laughs> uh, but regardless, I know that some people vibe with, you know, the style of music that I make. Um, it is probably less common, but I believe in myself now. And I'm battling every day with this feeling of being behind and I really need to continue working on that because it's just going to make me decide to do things for reasons other than just the music and the art. You know, I need to make sure that every decision I make is for the art, is for the music, and not for any other reason. So I'm working on that. I'm trying to give myself some grace and just recognize and accept that I had to go through what I had to go through to be where I'm at today. I couldn't just work hard at my music from day one because I wouldn't be the same. I have a lot of regrets, especially from the time in my life where I wasn't writing music, but would I change it? I don't know. Probably not. You are where you need to be. And I can say that confidently for anyone who's listening to this, as long as you are doing your best to become the best version of yourself. If you care about improving yourself and loving yourself and becoming who you're meant to be, then you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And I need to tell myself that every day. That is where I'm at musically, everybody. That is how it happened for me. That's my story. And it's only just beginning. And so is yours. You could be 60 years old listening to this podcast and it could be a new beginning for you. To find that thing that you love that brings you peace and helps clear your mind, makes you feel heard and seen that you have it, you just might not know what it is yet. Um, yeah, that wraps up my story. I really appreciate, again, all of you for listening to this, especially if you've listened to all three parts. It has been really healing for me to share this with you. I've opened up about some things that are hard to open up about. And I hope that in doing so, it inspires you to do the same. You should show yourself to the world because there is only one you. And what a shame it would be for the world to miss out on the only you. That's it for this episode. We will cover something totally different in the next episode, just for fun. We'll lighten it up a little bit. Thank you all for listening. You can follow me at Nolan Boyd Music on Instagram or search Nolan Boyd on any streaming platform to listen to my music if you want to get a deeper dive into uh, you know, some of the emotions behind this story that I have been telling you. 
I appreciate all of you for listening, and I will see you next time. Thank you.